You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is up, Warriors fans? The new NBA season has officially kicked off Tuesday night, first night of the NBA season. Celtics beat the 76ers in a little bit of an appetizer game, a little moose-bouche, if you will, before the main event, which was the Warriors facing the Lakers at Chase Center, raising a banner, getting their rings. There's a lot to talk about because it was more than just a game. In this case, this was more than just one out of 82. Uh, it was a a pretty darn exciting night for the Warriors. So we're just going to run through it really quickly. Uh, if you were around listening to these last year, you know the drill. We're just going to do quick hits, recapping the games, not take up too much of your time, just relive the action, hopefully good action most of the time, catch you up on what happened if you missed the game, etc., etc. So the big story, of course, was what happened before the game championship celebration always a wonderful time Um, we've seen the Warriors do this four times now in recent memory which is amazing and beautiful and lucky and and all those good things Um, I think Warriors fans will be pretty happy that it was the Lakers who the schedule makers decided to pit them against on opening night um, to get to get their rings raise their banner in front of a franchise that for so many years they I was gonna say big brother but that's not even it is more than that <laughs> you know the, what what the Kobe era Lakers did to the you know Mike Dunleavy jr. and Troy Murphy era Warriors it was they don't they don't have words for what that was um, and even in the 90s and the 80s, when the Warriors were decent, what the great Lakers teams were, were doing to them then. Uh, I think most Warriors fans take a lot of happiness in being able to beat the Lakers now, being a better team than them now, and that's probably only amplified by the fact that LeBron James and Russell Westbrook are on this Lakers teams. Um, we know not exactly the best friends of Warriors fans so I think there was a lot of excitement from the fan base getting to do go through the rigmarole of celebrating another championship raising another banner having downright gaudy championship rings in front of the Lakers Um, and the celebration was great it always is Um, you know the rings were absurd Juan Toscano Anderson got to be there to collect his since he's on the Lakers now. Uh, Quindary Weatherspoon was there, which was great, wonderful, very happy that he got to be there. I hope it wasn't too awkward for him because it was kind of bizarre seeing that on TV. That you know, just a few days after getting cut from the team, 
he was there. The only, I think he was the only person in attendance uh, from from the championship team who wasn't in the game. I mean, Andrea Godal obviously didn't play, but um, you know, was still there as a member of the Warriors. JTA was there as a member of the Lakers, uh, and then Q Spoon was just there. Uh, but he seemed like he was having a great time. How could you not? You're getting a ring celebrating a lifetime achievement that's worth more than I'll probably make in my entire life. So, happy for all of them. It was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then the game started and the Warriors came out of the gates firing, which is fun because uh, maybe this is just selective memory, but I feel like teams tend to come out of the gates very slowly on their ring night. Which makes sense. You know, the game gets delayed, there's all this adrenaline, there's all this excitement, your mind is on something else. You're, you know, the minutes leading up to a game, you're almost always hyper-focused on the game, and, and it's kind of the one night of the year for any team where that's not what you're thinking about going into the game. You're thinking about something entirely different. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe that's just a few times burned into my memory. I think we all remember the Warriors getting just decimated by the Spurs. I don't even remember what year that was, but one of the years they had they had their opener after ring night and just got obliterated by the Spurs, which so maybe I'm just kind of, you know, making too much out of that. Now I want to go back and see if I can even find what season that was. But it didn't happen to the Warriors. They they looked great right out of the opening tip, um, and they... Oh, there we go. 2016-2017, they, they lost by 29 to the Spurs. And that wasn't even... That wasn't even a ring night, so never mind. I'm just lying to you all up one side and down the other. That was the year after they lost in the NBA Finals, and we were all hoping that they would bounce back first year of Kevin Durant and, and make a statement. And instead, they lost by by 29 before rattling off 16 wins in the next 17 games. That season uh, it turned out turned out all right. Um, so yeah, I think I'm mostly making things up here. Sorry to get sidetracked on this, but the Warriors won their first ring night. They lost by one to the Rockets, their second ring night. Uh, and they won their third ring night. So yeah. I'm probably making things up here, but either way, even with other teams, I feel like you just kind of come out of the gates slowly after all that adrenaline, and that didn't happen with the Warriors. They came out of the gates strong. They looked great. Their defense was phenomenal. Um, disclaimer that they were playing the Lakers. You kind of hope your defense looks phenomenal, but, but still, a, a lot to like about it. And then it kind of the second half of the first quarter was pretty ugly. Things started to get a little disjointed, but... That was to be expected, too. The Warriors are playing kind of funky lineups right now because they're not where they need to be yet. Um, Clay Thompson only played 20 minutes in this game. Draymond Green only played 25. Even Andrew Wiggins, workhorse that he has, only played 29 game minutes. Uh, and Steve Kerr was open about that going into the game. They're not where they need to be conditioning-wise. It wasn't a criticism of the team, just a, you know, they've had a, they had a pretty light training camp, as you expect a team to do when they had such a short off-season relative to the other NBA teams. You know, most half the league started their off-season in, in mid-April and, and more teams joined over the following weeks and months and the Warriors didn't get to start their off-season until mid-June. 
uh, and then start training camp by going to Japan for a few days. their conditioning should be a little above the eight ball. That's how you avoid injuries. And of course, Draymond Green missed a week of practice after the incident. I'm saying that with capital letters. Uh, and Clay Thompson only played one preseason game after not being able to scrimmage throughout the offseason. So, you know, none of this is surprising. And th- the result is that the Warriors, Steve Kerr, this was not a chasing wins game, even though they won. Um, Steve Kerr took the starters out and went to a full bench lineup pretty early, and he rode the lineup for quite a while. Um, quite a while. They were they were running with a Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo, Jonathan Kaminga, Jermichael Green, James Wiseman lineup. Um, and then eventually started to put one or two starters back into that, but, but they were happy. They were happy running with the bench lineup, and at first it, it didn't... It didn't work. There was some struggle. There was some sloppiness. They expected, especially with players getting their first, you know, Wiseman's first game in forever. J. Michael and DiVincenzo's first game with the Warriors. There's there's excitement. There's adrenaline. There's just rust and, and dust to, to shake off and whatnot. Um, but Jordan Poole, not surprisingly, anchored that lineup. And at first, things worked really well. Poole had a few huge shots. His playmaking was just absurd in this game. He ended up um, with seven assists, though he did have four turnovers. And some of them were just ridiculous. He's just so talented there. And we'll see what lineups the Warriors end up going with as the season goes on, as they work more into game shape, as we start seeing, you know, 33 to 36 minutes a night from Clay and Wiggins and Draymond and of course, when Iguodala works back into the fold. But uh, in this game, Steve Kerr seemed very comfortable having Jordan Poole as the offense. Um, the, the pick and roll with James Wiseman, not as good as it looked in the preseason, but there were still some moments to highlight there. Same with the DiVincenzo Wiseman pick and roll. Um, but, but the point I'm trying to make here is that Jordan Poole was on the court for a lot of minutes that didn't feature Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, or Draymond Green. And again, you add in minutes for those guys and maybe that's not the case, but it also does seem clear that the Warriors are very comfortable with Jordan Poole entering this year as an offensive focal point, not as a complementary scorer and a complementary playmaker who you put next to a scorer like Steph or Clay or next to a playmaker like Steph or Draymond they're they're pretty comfortable with him being the man on offense in certain lineups um and even last year when when i think he earned that designation they seemed a little bit hesitant to put him on the on the court in the second units that didn't have andrew wiggins they wanted kind of both of those guys and and maybe that's also a testament to dante divincenzo who adds some extra playmaking adds some extra offense that um as much as i Loved him. Gary Payton II didn't really provide. He was more of an opportunistic scorer, cutting, rebounding, etc. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch those those bench lineups and see. You know, Steve Kerr hasn't really made it, hasn't been transparent about what those bench lineups are going to look like, and and it may be that he doesn't know what those lineups are going to look like. All right, we'll cover the rest of this game in just a second. First, we're going to make you listen to some ads. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So the second quarter kind of went back and forth a little bit. The Warriors were kind of kind of finding their footing, kind of not finding their footing. There was a lot of sloppiness, a lot of turnovers, some really poor transition defense. But they were also making up for it with some wonderful ball movement, um, a lot of action, a lot of motion. Uh, this team has just, when they buy into the way the offense is supposed to run, the playmaking is just so beautiful. You know, they don't have any traditional ball-dominant, quote-unquote, true point guard. Um, and that's just not how they've ever played, and it's not how they ever will play with Steve Kerr running the show. And and when it works as well as it did at times on Tuesday, you kind of wonder why anyone plays that way. Um, it was just It was just a wonderful thing watching the ball bounce back and forth forth watching the players move around there there were so many just little fun quirks that really define warriors basketball um there were there was one moment i think it was in the second quarter but it might have been in the third where steph curry got back-to-back layups on back cuts once off of a gorgeous pass from Draymond Green once off of a gorgeous pass from Jordan Poole and it was just such a such a emblematic play of the Warriors to have this you know greatest shooter of all time taking advantage of his own gravity to back cut while a point forward finds him another great shooter finds him it was beautiful there were a few plays where Poole got open springing off of off-ball screens from Steph. And that's just a a wonderful play, but it's... First off, you have to credit Steph for buying into these things, because there are a lot of... I don't... You know, stars should buy into their offensive schemes more, but I, I don't think there are that many superstars who are happy to be setting off-ball screens. That's just not... You're the 50 million... 30-point man. Your ego comes in enough that you don't want to be setting a bruising screen off the ball so someone else can take a shot. It's it's stupid, but it's how it is, and and Curry has never been that guy, and we all adore him for that. And the result is just so great because the gravity he carries that when when he sets a screen and he already has so much defensive attention on him, that's pulling the defense away from the person he's setting the screen for. And the defense has to be aware that he might slip it, he might pop it, whatever. It's just such a fun play that's so unique to the Warriors. And even though Poole had a had a poor shooting game, he shot just four for 15. Um, he got a lot of good looks off of those Steph Curry off-ball screens, and, and that was it's fun to watch. Um, and obviously, Clay gets in on a lot of those as well. Clay only played 20 minutes this game. Again, only played one preseason game. 
since he didn't scrimmage over the summer. And I've had a lot of people ask me about that. So just to clarify that, that was a – he was healthy through the summer. He had very understandably a lot of anxiety since the last time that he had done off-season scrimmaging resulted in him tearing his Achilles. Um, and so that was – he was working through the off-season on other things, but you can't replicate game conditioning, right? You can't – you can – you can run sprints, you can run killers, you can run on the treadmill, whatever. You can do drills. You're not replicating what it's like to actually be in a game unless you're scrimmaging. So he's getting worked into the fold. That's why he only played one preseason game. That's why his minutes are low to start. He's totally fine physically. It was just a you know, mental health protection to not scrimmage during the offseason when everyone else is. Um, but Clay was good. He had 18 points in those 20 minutes, 6 for 13 shooting. His defense looked good. You know, still a little bit of rust, but he certainly looked... Not that he wasn't good last year, because I think he was, but he looked more like pre-ACL, pre-Achilles injuries Clay than, like, the guy we saw at the end of last year when he was good, but really trying hard to shake off that rust. So I'm excited to see him back in full minutes. Hopefully making a six all-star game this year. That would be that would be beautiful. Um, going back to Poole, though, for a minute. He and Draymond Green had a few really great moments running the two-man game, which, I mean, I'm over this topic. I don't want to talk about their incident. But the world is not over it. The world is going to keep talking about it. Uh, and those sorts of plays are going to be highlighted by pundits and analysts and Twitter all season long. Um, and we saw it in the final preseason game on Friday as well. They, they had some really great some really great two-man games and they're just fun to watch them when they get in the two-man game because they're both such good score. I'm not scores. Sorry, Grandma. Not, not the case. They're both such good passers and they're both such creative passers and they're both very intelligent and Jordan is so explosive scoring moving forward or moving backwards or moving sideways for that matter. And he doesn't get quite the defensive attention that Curry does. So sometimes there's more opportunity for him to actually spring free. Warriors can't really run the two-man game often with Steph and Dre because Curry just gets cloaked. There's nowhere for him to go. They have to kind of go more for those like high pick and rolls 30, 35 feet from the hoop with the Draymond release valve that gets you the four on three. But Poole and Dre can play that, you know, backyard high school practice style actual two-man game where it really just allows you to forget that you're watching a basketball game for a second and it just looks like a game of two on two. And you just watch Poole trying to scheme a way to spring free to the side towards the hoop, away from the hoop, whatever. And Draymond trying to find the right way to find the angle to pass it to him, to set the right screen, and the ball is just bouncing back and forth between them, the screens, movement, cutting, whatever, until eventually something happens. And they're a lot of fun to watch there. They're a lot, a lot of fun. Um, as for the rest of the bench, 
was a little bit hit and miss. The starters were really good, but but the bench was was a little hit or miss. Really bad game from Jonathan Kaminga. Um, you know, it's one game. It's nothing to worry about. Just not a good game. Uh, he really had tunnel vision. There were a lot of times where he caught the ball. He had open shooters, didn't even look at them, just head down, running back style, dribble into the defense. Nothing there, either back out or force a bad shot. Uh, he didn't score, missed all three of his shots. Um, the defense was okay, but a little undisciplined. Just, just not a good game for him, but whatever. Moses Moody only played eight minutes. Steve Kerr said before the game that they were going to play 10 or 11 players, and Moody ended up being the or 11 in that sentiment. Um, the other bench player, the other five bench players played quite a bit. Moody played sparingly. Kerr said after the game that Moody deserves more minutes, but with the guard depth that the team has, it's just not easy or feasible to find him minutes. Um, and I think that was doubly true in this matchup. So he played really well in those minutes. Um, you know, Moody looks good. He, he doesn't look like a star in the making, but he looks like a super high-quality role player in the making, or maybe not even in the making, maybe just is. So I'm looking forward to seeing him get more minutes as time goes on. James Wiseman, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, he's talked all preseason about how he feels like the game has slowed down for him, and that really was on display. He looked way more in control. He looked way more understanding of the offense. He was in the play, the right place more often than not. His defense was, was much better, um, moving vertically a lot more than he did when we last saw him. Uh, but there was also the rust that you expect from a player who hasn't played in a long time, hasn't played a lot of games in his career, um, still very young. There were some, some bad mistakes, and even just, you know, he went 0 for 4 from the free throw line, which, whatever, that's going to happen, but he just didn't look comfortable. He looked like his confidence was rattled while he was there a little bit. So, more good than bad for Wiseman, given that we hadn't seen him play in a year and a half. Um, mostly just great to see him on the court. And I think that's... Oh, I didn't even talk about Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was great in this game. I don't really have much to say. He was just great. Um, he had 20 points, shot 8 for 14. Six rebounds, four assists, just one turnover. Um, he had huge shots in the fourth quarter. The, the Warriors pushed the lead to 20 entering the fourth quarter, and for the most part it was kind of a blowout, but the Lakers kept like flirting with making things interesting. And every time they did, Wiggins seemed to have a huge jumper. That was just arrogant, um, honestly arrogant. Um, so yeah, he was great. He was he was the Warriors' second best player quite comfortably, behind Curry, of course. Who would who? Steph Curry, y'all. You know what he does at this point: thirty-three points, six rebounds, seven assists, four steals. Not his best shooting game, four for thirteen from deep, but it was still an incredibly efficient game from him because he shot six for nine on twos. Nice and nine, got to the free throw line nine times, made all nine of them. He just looked so in control. So he was that right blend of aggression and finesse that is just beautiful to watch when, when Curry gets it going. And so he and Wiggins were really kind of the guys, along with Kevon Looney, who's... I feel like Looney's finally getting his flowers. I don't know if it's the... 82 games plus winning a championship last year or if it's 
the praise he got in the Draymond Green Jordan Poole incident for helping hold the team together and and mediate. But it seems like he's kind of starting to get his flowers a little bit, and God, he deserves them. Game high plus minus of plus 30 in this game in just 21 minutes. Good defense on Anthony Davis. Strong screens, great rebounding. Shot three for four from the field. Finished with seven points. We love Kevon Looney here. So, all in all, it ended up being a 123-109 win. A win that showed a lot of areas the Warriors need to work on. Transition defense was awful. A lot of sloppiness. 18 turnovers. 23 fouls. Not really concerning stuff, just first game of the season. Sloppiness. Ugliness from time to time, but... A win is a win. A championship ring is a championship ring. Everyone's happy.